year comes to an end, a chance to hear the thoughts of WIU Group Chief Executive Steve Phillips in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. There's also a chance to catch up with former Cardiff captain Paul Tito later, but of course we'll start with an end-of-year chat with WIU Group Chief Executive Steve Phillips. How's the agreement with the regions looking? What's it looking like? What are the prospects going forward for clubs and country? First, the large press asked him about the 60 cap. Well, the primary reason it's there was to retain the best Welsh talent in Wales. The main driver is to support the regions in having the best players, the best talent available to the regional teams. You know, I think that still has merit. And I think it's something that we should continue with. Now, you can get into a debate, you know, is it 60, is it 100, is it 10 or 20? But if you do it as a concept, I think it's important. You know, it comes back to Warner's point, really, about it's getting the Welsh players in Wales, which is, supports the regions. It also supports the national interest because of, we've got enhanced player release pursuant to our deal. Warren and his team then have, you know, better access, 13 days, all the stuff that you're aware of. And it makes us then more akin to what England certainly have it, Ireland have it pursuant to their structures, and probably Scotland to a lesser extent. Mm. The number is a thing that you might ratchet up or ratchet down, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the conversation. You know, I do think the concept is a sound one. No, I think we've all seen before. We've had some Australia change there. You know, I think the concept is the key thing. It's the number, to the extent it needs to be revealed at all. So I'm not saying we need to reveal it, I'm not saying we need to change it, but that's not to say we shouldn't be revealing it. So how do you apply it to a Will Rowlands, for instance? I think you just need to look at each circumstances as they present themselves, really. So I don't know the full extent of where Will is going or what he's doing. And I think that'll have to be revealed in due course, really. Can I, can I just ask, that, you know, if Will Rowlands or any players sign a contract which say signs for French club starts in August or September, technically under 60 cap law you won't be available for the World Cup, so does the PRB then have to vote on that to allow special dispensation if Warren wants to pick him? Well, without getting into the specifics, I think if there's, we've seen this before with, you know, we've had it with Reese Webb and, uh, and so forth, so if there needs to be a, a special case, that is something that is discussed at PRB, yes. There's going to be a degree of austerity here, isn't there? In the new round of contracts, all all head coaches are saying that. And there's going to be more money available in places, as one said, in Japan or in France or whatever. So you lose someone at the top end, but then you might lose some of the youngsters as well. I mean, how do you secure it? Well, I think if you look at the game, this is not limited to Wales. Look what's happened in England. You know, every, you know, you know what their salary caps are and so forth. So is there going to be a rebalancing, if I can use that expression. I don't like the words austerity, but I think is there a rebalancing going on? Yes, that's consistent with everywhere else, save for probably Japan. You know, I know the um, the French are still remunerating well, but I still don't think it was like it used to be. So I think to, to answer your question, we need to be protecting. Definitely, the bottom end I think is more important. Yes. Because, you know, depending on the older players or players with more caps, depending where you get with the 60-cap rule, they could still make themselves available for Wales. But I think we need to keep on top of what I would call the pathway players or the promising players or somebody who may represent Wales in the 27 or 31 World Cup. 
in terms of the alignment you would like to see with the regions, where are you with that? Is there a deal or is it just a verbal agreement? You know, the regions put a statement that there is a verbal agreement, which I was in that meeting, and provided everybody honours the verbal agreement, I think we will get to a conclusion, I'd like to think, reasonably soon. Documentation has progressed. We charted through um, that yesterday. You know, it was a, there was a PRB meeting yesterday afternoon for a couple of hours. I think there was, um, I thought that was relatively positive, and it was just isolating now what remains to be done. I know you want to talk about the pandemic, etc., but there seems to be lots of fracture points at the moment. I think we've moved on, so I'm not going to use, you know, the pandemic as an excuse. You know, that was then, this is, you know, here we are now. Are there long-lasting economic effects, you know, within Wales? Possibly. But on the basis of our annual report last year, we recovered reasonably well and reasonably quickly. I think we might have posted our second highest turnover, whatever it was. So we recovered quite well and we retained most of our commercial partners, re-signed some, some new ones. But to answer your question about alignment, so... What we want is, without getting into jargon, and we want everybody to have a common purpose. So, you know, everybody talks about the Irish model. That has its merits and it has its challenges. But what you get, everybody is on the same page trying to achieve the same thing. So, you know, what I mean by that, I want Wales to do well and I want our regional clubs to want Wales to do well. Flip side of that, I want the regional clubs to Wales and I want everybody in the WU to be really proud that they're achieving and it ripples down into the Premiership, into the community game. It's a circle, and if you break any element of the circle, you're going to have problems. And let's be honest, you know, we're quite good at finding problems in Wales, aren't we? So these are the conversations we have at PRB, more at Rugby Management Board level, really. You've got to align the rugby and not get overly drawn into commercial elements or financial elements. You've got to get... The rugby people have to do the rugby stuff and not get distracted by, forgive the language again, spreadsheets. In terms of just Warren's appointment, ideally, what is your ambition for Warren after the World Cup? I don't get into too much details individual contracts, but we have an arrangement where there are options for him to continue. Now, he needs to be happy with that. I think we probably need to see performances and so forth. So it has the ability to go out until World Cup 27. There are milestones built in until I've looked to see, you know, is Warren still enjoying it? Are we still getting the results? But we can get that far. Is it an indictment that we haven't had a Welsh coach for so long and that when we had problems now with Wayne, we decided it was no longer feasible for Wayne to carry on, we've gone back to Warren and there's not a Welsh coach there ready to take over the national team? I think that's probably fair. But I think you've just got to remember the situation that we found ourselves in. That was what prompted the review. We were quite efficient, I thought, and timely in you know, resolving that in the, in the best interest of our national team. Now, once you started the review, you had to look then what were the alternative candidates. And we haven't got that long, what are we, six weeks, seven, eight weeks away after the Six Nations. So you had to go somewhere whereby somebody who was known to us, was familiar, you know, with us as well, knew the Welsh way, knew the Welsh players. So we very quickly narrowed it down to Warren. But to answer your wider point, maybe that is a conversation that needs to be on whatever this would be. What's our ambition post-Warren in terms of having a Welsh coach? Would you like to have a Welsh coach in place, ideally? Or, do you, or is it a case of, no, you have the best man for the job, or would you prefer to have a Welshman? Like all appointments I make, I would probably want the best person for the job. 
if that person happens to be Welsh, that's a bonus. In your opinion, will there be enough money for at least one of them to compete with your Leinsters and you know, that sort of thing? Difficult to say. Is there a direct correlation between funding and success? You know, that's a conversation in itself, as we know. I would answer your question by saying I would like to think so. The better question is when, you know, because, you know, picking back on your point, we do need to rebalance. We probably need to look at what the squads look like and so forth. But I think that would definitely be our ambition. Can you give assurances that we will have four professional teams in, say, two or three years' time? Or is there, not because of the union, but is there a chance that we could drop a team purely because of the economic climate in rugby at the moment? Well, I can't guarantee that because I can't control the, the economics of the country. We've always stated that the ambition is to have four. You know, we'd be naive to not look at what will happen to the bridge because I think that's been a wake-up call for everybody, frankly. Nobody, nobody more than the RFU. And, you know, and, and when all that was happening, I was in New Zealand with the RFU CEO. So they probably didn't see that coming either. So I think it's, it's a message for us all. So I can't guarantee anything because of you know, there's all kinds of reasons why I can't, frankly, without you know, boring to death about him. But our ambition is definitely, and which is what we said in our six-year framework verbal agreement, you know, we're starting with four, and we hope to stay at four. Is there still a desire from the union point of view to get the Dragons back into private ownership? Yes, definitely, because as part of the ongoing conversations, that is very much on the table, and you know, it'll be very troublesome then if we don't achieve that within the current framework, if I can leave it at that view. What do you see the problem at the moment of them being union-owned? I think a lot of it's perception. So, you know, we know David Petras very well, and I, you know, I was part of the process of sort of bringing him on board. You know, guy knows what he's doing, doesn't he? I think a lot of it is, it's how it's perceived more than anything else. So, you know, we don't overly manage it, notwithstanding the fact that you know, we've got 80% of the equity, or the ordinary equity, but, you know, just to, to be technical. We agree their budgets, and they're left to run their own affairs. But there's a public perception to it. There is probably a perception issue with the other regions about it because they see the fact that we are the 80% shareholder, the, they see us as the safety net, if I can use that expression. And there's probably just a general feeling of that's not fair, which I understand. We want everybody to flourish, you know, and um, you know, whether that is achieved by us letting them go, oh, great, you know, if that becomes a consequence, but I think it's more to put everybody in the same starting place would be a better reason, I think. You couldn't run four teams on your own. But you're back then into the, you know, the million-dollar question about ownership. So everybody talks about Irish model, English model. We talk about this with MPRB. So the strong desire is to have my language, you know, the English model, and we're happy to support that. But, of course, with that then comes the expectation of regional shareholder investment, as is the case with PRL clubs. I think you've just got to choose which one we are, and I'm reasonably relaxed which one we are. But I think everybody's got to agree, and that's no mean feat in Wales, as we all know. From the outside looking in, it's kind of a halfway house now. I think ownership, ownership is a big conversation, right? You know, because this is, I often read stuff about, oh, look at this and look at that, and think, well, you're not starting from the same place. I'm not saying, you know, there's an ongoing conversation about ownership. We've had that conversation in PRB, and the region strongly feel what they want to stay under the carbon. And we 100% support that. But I think you've just got to remember then, once you make that choice, you've then got to wrap around a different system around it. And they've got to stop pointing the finger at you? 
Well, I think we're going to stop pointing the fingers at each other. Yeah. I mean, frankly, yeah. let's be let's be very mature about yeah. it. I can sit here today and say, "Whoa, you know, they've really annoyed me today," and then they can say the same thing. But we've just collectively got to be better. Yeah. And my biggest frustration is, and we're all guilty of it. Why are we so hard on our sport? We all love it. We've all played it, but we're brilliant at having a go at it. The Nasha squad 38, is that under review as well? Could that go? Could you that part of the ongoing process. You know, there was probably merit in that at the time. Some people say it's created other challenges. But again, that's all being wrapped up, if I can use the language, on the rugby side of the six-year framework. Because, you know, sorry, what I haven't said, you know, when we talked about a six-year framework, that was much wider than a financial model, the obligations on us, obligations on others. We need to get the rugby right, which comes back to your point, and that's the place to try and get the alignment. And don't forget, on a per-head basis, the relative proportion of young people playing rugby in Wales is very high relative to other countries. We're a small country, so that's our USP. So we've got to make sure our pathways and pipelines are bang on. Because we haven't got that many but there's so many playing, we've got to be able to pick up every gem we can. We can't afford to miss one, jokingly. I was talking to the CEO of South Africa, and I said to him something along the lines of, oh, you must be disappointed that you've lost your six for 10 second row. He said, oh, don't worry about them. We've got, you know, we got them growing under trees. Well, we haven't, have we, you know? But he says, we've got to be very astute about what we do next on the rugby front, because, you know, there are certain parameters which we work in and we've got to mine the system very carefully and pull out every gem that we can. There is a negative perception around the 38 as well isn't there and there's also a frustration that that list doesn't get published. We're probably going to move on from that you know much of what the merit is in you know looking backwards it's probably a little bit of we've you know like standard line I give you you know we never talk about individual contract negotiations and it's kind of the same because under the previous model, which you're all familiar with, you know, the minute that you were NS38, you know, you attracted a particular level of funding from us. Mm. I was in the conversations at the time, and there was a lot of merit in that. But we've then seen some unintended consequences of it, and perhaps on balance, you know, we perhaps need to look at something else. Did Warren give you the chance to maybe refresh and uh, draw some new lines at, a, at an important time with the negotiations going on? Well, Warren knows his stuff, and you know, you know him as well, do. He knows what he wants. He'll have a strong voice. Yeah, he'll have a strong voice, and I think you know, our job will be to, and my job particularly, will be to support him as best as we're able, you know, to give the Welsh team and the regional teams the best available chance at the right time. You know, but man, he's on a bit of a whirlwind tour at the moment, and you know, he's, when he lands, he hasn't got long to. So I think he will be involved in those conversations, but it's for him to answer better than me. But you know, I'm not sure that's going to be his priority given the time frame he's got to Six Nations. 20 years of regional rugby next year. Success or failure? Depends what you're comparing to. I think if you're asking me, are the four regional clubs better than the previous nine? The answer to that's got to be yes. You can get into, you know, they, you know, they won Pro 12 and all those, you know, Celtic Cups and so forth, EDF and, you know, all those sort of things. Would we have won or seen any success in there under the previous nine? probably going to be a challenge because of course you're diluting the talent and of course let's not forget the whole system's going back on my it's one circle to me if we didn't have the four professional teams would Wales have achieved the success that we did in 8, 12, 13, 19 let alone Warren's record in the um, World Cup You're listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast
Plenty of ground covered there and certainly a clearer idea of what next year may bring for Welsh rugby. Now, when Georgia came over to play Wales, many would have noticed a pretty familiar figure in their coaching team, former Cardiff captain Paul Tito. Rob Cole caught up with him. Well, I guess the first question is, how are you? No, I'm well. I'm well. We've been interesting uh, ride for the last four years. I was in France, obviously, for a while and COVID hit and my family went back to New Zealand and things kind of went a bit pear-shaped. Since then, really, had to leave Poe early and back to NZ. You were dabbling with a few bits and bobs. Well, no, I was just helping out a crew that helped me out a lot when I first finished my career and um, just to help me get back into into the New Zealand life when Mm. I first got back. Because it must be difficult, you know, what, five years you spent here and wholehearted commitment and then you have to go and pick up the pieces again. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, that's the transition in it through footy. Um, you know, some guys find it um, very difficult in that space, and you know, I had some good support uh, units around me, and, uh, and a wife that supported me in whatever I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, with things are working out nice, quite nicely uh, of late. So, um, yeah, it's been a good couple. Yeah. Of, it's been a good year. So we sat here in the uh, Principality Stadium. Uh, you'd have played here, I think, in a Your Judgment Day cup, or yeah. whatever, Hunting Cup, Hunt cup or whatever. But of course, you could have worn a red jersey here, but you decided not to. Well, I think I might have been a bit old for that, eh? At least be honest. Um, We're still looking for second rows, Pop. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you got uh, there's, there's plenty of good ones out there. There's a few young guys coming through. And yeah. It's always good to see um, you know, the Welsh talent coming through and getting, you know. But when they asked you, did you just feel it wasn't right for you? Hey, well, you know, I mean, I think they didn't they didn't come to me straight away and ask me. I think there's some stuff in, in behind the scenes that they were talking about it, but... I was an old man, mate, so um, yeah. I think they were going to New Zealand, so they potentially thought it was a good idea to keep me on the hook, just in case, but I don't know if I would have survived a <laughs> pre-season with these boys, they go fairly hard. Yeah. So, when you look back now, I mean, how was your sojourn here? Oh, it was amazing, you know what I mean, great people, uh, you know, Welsh are very similar to the Kiwis, you know, we had a good crew of people, and still now we're catching up with a few of the guys tonight, and... Still really good mates with all the fair few guys that I played with. So, no, it's, we've got good some good bonds and we had some mm. great times together on and off the pitch. And that's what rugby's all about. It's what rugby can do, isn't that's it? What rugby's all about. Yeah, and of course, a bit of success as well. I mean, that uh, I, I was stood behind the posts at the Challenge Cup final win down in Marseille, and mm. what a day that was. Yeah, it was a special day, and even out here, you know, when we had fifty-five thousand against the Leicester Tigers where we could have, should have made the final of the Hunting Cup. So, you know, we had some great memories and it's it's still what I, what I really enjoy is, you know, a lot of the guys that, uh, the younger guys are still going around for the Welsh team now, you yeah. know, like, and good to see Gethin and Martin involved and, you know, that's what it's all about and seeing these guys succeed and, and, and doing well in their, own, in their own fields. So where were you on the penalty kick? Uh, regime were you the next one up or well you know what Nugget's like he's always backed his kicking and he let himself down didn't he so um, yeah but hey everyone goes on about Nugget but I'm still disappointed in Tom James missing the fifth one you know what I mean I don't think many people remember that but uh, I mean I, I always blame TJ you know let's go through the rules I said there won't be a penalty shootout yeah. it was amazing yeah I think for the neutral was a hell of a spectacle wasn't it yeah you know? I can still remember Ben Blair putting those two conversions over from the sideline and with ease and, and when he kicked the one out in front he said that was the most nervous he's ever been for the kick so mm. 
you know what I mean? I think it uh, it was a pretty interesting moment, and obviously there's been one since in the French um, promotion relegation yes. match, and you know it came down to a Ford again, and uh, pretty ironic that uh, as a coach I always say to my Fords, I don't want to see you kicking the ball, <laughs> and then uh, these two games are won and lost on kicks, so yeah, interesting. Yeah, but well, you're part of uh, rugby history. Yeah. Just on the wrong Just side on of the wrong it. Side. And, yeah. and in fairness to the Leicester Tigers that day, they were very graceful in, in their victory and they didn't really jump up and down. You know, they no. knew it was a poor, poor way to win the game, but uh, hey, someone had to go through and it's just a bummer that we didn't. Had you gone on to the final, you'd have fancied a chance against Leinster, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, we had a good team. We had an ageing team at that stage. You know, a few of us were coming to the end of our um, peak performance, I would say. But yeah, we, we backed ourselves and, and everything we did those those years. You know, Mum Mum Molotika, Xavier and, and Fao, you know, they were they were exceptional up front and you know, we had some quality in the back. So uh, it was a, it was some great great moments of uh of my rugby career. Have you caught up with Mama while you're here? He's doing fitness training he out is, here now. He, he can have, have you out there for a session. He'd, he'd, he's still playing too, the old boy, eh? So uh he's a legend, eh? And, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a Potentially an unsung hero of that of that team. Indeed. Where's the future for you, Dad? Yeah, I've just signed with a um, Super Rugby team in uh, New Zealand for the next two seasons. I've just finished, come off the back of a pretty successful NPC with uh, with the Wellington Lions. We managed to uh, win the Ramfully Shield and win the NPC title. So yeah, um, a good season with them has has really set me up for uh, and getting to the Super Rugby. So yeah, I just worry about these next two years with with the Blues up in uh, up in Auckland and um, coming back here with Georgia for the World Cup as well. So that's yeah. exciting to be able to get to France and and put our best foot forward. So you keep an eye on the uh, the Welsh players, but with a Georgian framework. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, we've there in our pool, obviously in a World Cup. So um, you know, it's always interesting to see what they're doing, and uh, really look forward to the World Cup when we get a few of our guys back. Hey, it's exciting and to be able to f- go to France the way they can put on a show and be a part of that would yeah, be awesome Yeah, Rugby culture in Georgia I mean you've, you obviously put your toe in and you've seen what mm. it's like and Oh they're a passionate bunch aren't they but I think you know I mean I think their games move forward they're um we've got some exciting backs uh, where historically potentially that wasn't the case uh, they've got 20 guys playing in the top 14 in France currently and plenty more in the Pro Didier in the, in the second division in France so it's growing in Georgia. Uh, they're renowned for obviously big boys up front, but in fairness to Levan and, and Corey Brown, um, the back coaches here, they've done a good job of the backs, yeah. and I think there's a real balance to the group. And, and you know, you can't get away with just having playing team man rugby these days. So you've got to have that balance. And I think we saw that in some of the tries that we managed to score were pretty special. Mm. It was interesting. Uh, I think it's the 2007 World Cup when Graham Henry went to help out the Pumas. And uh, some of the Argentinian players were saying, well, we thought he'd come in and teach us all the things about New Zealand forward play. But he mm. said, no, 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 you've got to move the ball. Yeah. You've got to be able to play. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that we get blocked out in our thing. You know, you think, kick the corner, drive this, but you've got to be a bit more expansive to survive. Yeah, 100% the game's moved on. If you're playing narrow, the defence are narrow, and the defence these days are, you know, pretty good. Um, so, you know, you've got to have the ability to play both. So, Two years in New Zealand, maybe a head coach job in Europe? Yeah, I've got young kids at the moment. Um, that You know, they're our priority at the moment for the next, you know, three or four years when they, before they finish high school and then, then who knows. 
I've always said that I'd love to come back to Cardiff and and get involved. Um, you know, obviously the regional rugby isn't uh, going so well at the moment here in Wales for whatever reason. But it's been hard with the COVID, and as we've seen with the English team, it's been hit hard. So it's not a surprise. It's, it's been a tough ride for everyone. So hey, it's all about timing. But yeah, I'd love to come back one day, but I don't know when that is. Where were the kids born? Here or in New Zealand? Both in Wales. Oh right. Well, we've got plum trees, we've got Tito's, we can claim whatever we need Oh, to. you know what you Welsh are like, you claim anything. <laughs> Good on you, fam. Nice to see you. Nice. So a Merry Christmas from everyone at the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. More next week, next new year, of course. But until then, goodbye.